0: Welcome to Alyssa Explains It All. I am so excited to be chatting with you guys today. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I've been having a freaking journey with my mental health and like, it's just, if anyone has ever been on any sort of like antidepressant, anti-anxiety or gone through the process of like diagnosing or figuring out like what what works best for you, you know that this process is a nightmare. And so it has been just a little bit of a struggle. I just am like tired and disinterested in everything. And it's just been like, so frustrating. So if anyone's ever experienced that before, I totally feel you. And I actually linked a whole bunch of mental health resources on my Instagram in a highlight. So if you ever needed to like find a therapist, there's lots of ways that you can do that. I'm very lucky that I have a therapist that I talk to every single week. And she is like, she is everything. Her name is Christine. And if she ever listens to any of my podcasts, which I don't I don't know if she does. I don't know if she's like really allowed. If she ever does she knows that I I will tell her every time I meet with her that like, I love her so much. I refer her to everyone. Like I literally, if I could only talk to her and john and like my mom and sister and producer Matt every day for the rest of my life, I, I would probably be okay maybe Jasmine and Becky also. I have a, I have a small I have a small little list of people that I would need to talk to regularly and she's going to be one of them forever. And I want everyone to find therapists that they love that much. So, if you need help finding one, there's lots of resources that I put on my Instagram. And I'm very lucky that I get to work with her every single week, but sometimes things are just you know, not how you hoped they would be. And so that's kind of where I'm at. And I have so many cool things happening in my life and like things that are being set up for the rest of this year and I want to be able to like properly enjoy them and it's so annoying when your brain is just being a big dumb idiot and will not allow you to do that so that's been my week we're coming up on a long weekend though and by the time you listen to this i will be in los angeles and we're going to be doing the rap party this coming weekend so we'll get to hang out with the current season of the circle whoever's making it out to la and i'll get to see some of my previous castmates too so It'll be nice to see everyone. I'm so excited to be like in a nice sunny blue sky place uh, on new antidepressants, so I can enjoy all of it. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, today's episode is with Rina, and you guys are gonna love her. She is she was previously a district attorney, and so she has like a legal background. So her ability to recall facts, is impeccable. It's impeccable. I love facts so much. I love a statistic. And I knew that I loved her when she went, these are the things that really turned me on when she was talking about statistics. I was like, "Mm, gorgeous. I love it. But we talked about desire discrepancy, which is like one of the things that people ask me about the most is if I am not interested in having sex, and my partner wants to have sex all the time, what do I do? And vice versa. And so she talks a little bit about that um, process. And the first thing she always asks her clients is what was the sex like before? Because chances are it was probably not that great. And we probably settled for like mediocre sex to begin with. And then she goes into this whole thing about how masturbation is medicine. She's like, you have to take your multivitamin and get those those self-pleasure sessions in whenever you can. So anyway, it's such a great conversation. She's so much fun. and. Smart as a whip, and you guys are gonna love her. Um, so without further ado, here is Rena. Hi, Rena. Hello, Alyssa. How are you? I am so great. I am so excited to have you on here. I've been following your Instagram account like a fan. Like I love everything that you post. So I'm so happy that you are joining me here. It means a lot to me.
1: Um, So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I am so excited. I I think I mentioned to you that when I saw you on the circle, I was like, who is this glorious woman who brought her vulva pillow and who's explaining sexual health and sex ed to people? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> Do truly, the Lord's work.
0: Oh my God. I, it's so funny because at the time, I think even you might even be able to like understand how this feels where when you're in the like space for so long, you don't realize how like different you are for talking about it until you leave and you're like, you're like at like a cocktail party and you're like, ah, yes. And if you want to talk about the introitus, we can. And they're like, what? (laughs)
1: Oh, yeah. I definitely have been known to um, cause silence in a room before. (laughs) So, yes, I'm with
0: you. It's either silence or someone finds out that you are a sex coach or work in the sex industry at all, and they have a million questions for you, and then you're, like, cornered for the rest of the evening, I feel like.
1: That too. I hear a lot of, oh my God, I've never said this to anyone before, but, and I love being that person. Don't get me wrong.
0: Yeah. Me too. And you actually, I think I saw that you had started as an attorney, your career as an attorney. Is that correct?
1: Yes. I was a deputy district attorney with the LA County DA's office for 14 years.
0: Wow. um,
1: Yeah. I I prosecuted sex crimes, child abuse, and domestic violence cases for most of those 14 years.
0: Wow. That is wild. And so then when did you decide it was time to transition sort of onto the other side of the fence there?
1: Yeah. um, I started working as a coach in 2020 during the pandemic. And then it was in March of 2021 that I turned in my resignation and left the DA's office to do this full time. So it hasn't been that long, although I have a long history of, of working with trauma survivors.
0: Hmm. Wow, that is so cool. I'm so like, I'm so inspired by your willingness to like leave this this thing that you had been a part of this like this career, and move into something that's first of all coaching. So there's no like path laid out for you, and to really like embrace the other side of of all of this. It's so cool.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm still spending most of my days talking about sex, but yes, <laughs> but pleasure focused rather than a lot of the sadness that accompanies sex.
0: Yeah. Yeah, of course, of course. And actually, what I wanted to talk to you about the most today is the question that I get the absolute most in my inboxes. I feel like it has to be the question you get the most too because you're nodding. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I get asked all the time about desire discrepancies and like my partner wants to have sex all the time and it's like not really my thing, or I just had a baby and like I don't feel sexual at all and talk about moving into like the pleasure focus of things. It's so interesting because there's no real answer to how much sex you should be having like what's the normal amount is always kind of a funny question that comes across my my Instagram too. but I felt like you'd be a great person to talk about desire discrepancies um, within couples.
1: Yeah, I'm here for it. I'm here for it.
0: Yay. Do you get that question a lot on your on your socials and just like in your coaching career? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. It's so interesting. I remember watching Emily Nagoski do a speech like forever ago, talking about and I feel like she actually says this a bunch that like the number one question she gets gets is some variation of like, Am I normal? And that's sort of like, and the answer is almost always yes. And when it comes to desire discrepancies, a lot of the conversations that I'm having about desire discrepancy is Is this normal that i don't i'm just like not into it right now
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and um do you do you come across that question and how do you
1: normally approach that yeah i mean i get the am i normal question when Mm -hmm. it comes to pretty much everything not just desire (laughs) discrepancies like i can't orgasm just through intercourse am i normal i'm having this fantasy am i normal and i can't think of a single time where I have said no you're not normal. Mm-hmm. So yes, baseline you're totally normal. I mean, let's start off with with some numbers here. So research by the National Institute of Health tells us that 43% of women suffer from what's known as female sexual dysfunction, which is either difficulty reaching orgasm or low sexual desire. 43%. I mean, that's a lot, right? <laughs> that means that that just right off the bat nearly half of the women on this earth meet the criteria for something that's literally called dysfunction right. and so of course people feel like there's something wrong with them and and I approach my work from a place of trying to dissolve shame mm-hmm. and we're talking about a heck of a lot of shame as our baseline if we're looking at a number that high mm-hmm. so when it mm-hmm. comes to desire discrepancies There's so many things that that could be at play here. One that I see often is that sex gets added to the bottom of a to-do list. Mm. And you can't enjoy sex if you view it as a chore. Right. So I, I mean, I think a great place to start is to View sex as the escape from the to-do list mm-hmm. instead of viewing it as okay, this is me having to go grocery shopping. This is the to do right. list, right? <laughs> yes. No, this is your opportunity to go out to a really nice restaurant and enjoy your favorite meal. Mm-hmm. But then when people say, No, but I don't, I don't want that meal, like <laughs> I just don't <laughs> want it, right? We we dive a bit deeper. Um cuz I also say you, you can't crave what you don't crave and if the sex that's on offer is the 7-11 ham sandwich version of sex it's no wonder you're not craving it
0: Hell yes I want to like plaster that on a billboard that's so <laughs> true and I like a lot of the time we forget I think when we get into like patterns of sex especially in long-term relationships you're like if you're married or if you have a kid or even if it's just been long long for you whatever that means for you we get into like this habit like our sex like the positions how we're initiating it ends up being a habit and so yeah like it starts to feel a little like 7-eleven and we forget that this is meant to be fun this is meant to be like an opportunity for pleasure like Like anything is pleasurable, like the way that dancing is or going to a nice restaurant is like, that's what it, that's what it's meant to be. And so I imagine some of it is just breaking like the cycle and the pattern of just doing the same things over and over.
1: Absolutely. And I'm sure you've heard of the seven year itch, right? Mm -hmm. This idea that uh, if we're talking in a very heteronormative sense, which unfortunately most of the research that, that has been done up until this point is very, you know, male, female. Mm-hmm. and heteronormative but this seven year itch that we think of when it comes to to men that okay after seven years men start to get restless and and their eyes wander and and that kind of thing it's much shorter for women mm-hmm. actually yeah <gasps> we tend to get bored a lot more quickly than our male <laughs> counterparts do
0: that's actually funny and sort of like relieving to hear because the seven-year itch feels like a stress that women place on themselves to like be concerned about and meanwhile we have like a similar or even less of an attention span in a way that's interesting
1: yeah i mean we used to think that men were from mars women are from venus and that our Mm -hmm. sexualities are so 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 different Mm -hmm. um what i found and i don't know if if you've seen the same thing in your work as a sex educator but that the current research tends to show that we're a lot more alike than we ever thought mm-hmm. yeah but there are still a few a few certain areas where we see measurable differences and mm-hmm. one of them is that for women our desire for novelty kicks in a lot sooner we're looking at like three years not seven Interesting. years Interesting. yeah
0: i have seen people reference the the years where people typically see breakups is three, five, and seven. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm looking at the three and I'm looking at the five or at the seven, and I'm starting to see those those years align with whatever the, that um, like looking for novelty, like you said, where those moments hit.
1: Yeah. There's a fantastic book by Wednesday Martin called mm-hmm. Untrue. Mm-hmm. And it's so good. I talk about it all the time, but looking at how everything we thought we knew about women's desire and infidelity is untrue and how the new science can set us free. And so Mm -hmm. she has um, a little bit of a background in anthropology. And so she talks to people who studied primates, who studied bonobos, who are closest living relatives to see, okay, well, what do those females do out in the wild? Without right. all these social constraints and religious shame and cultural pressure, like what do they do? Mm-hmm. And the findings are absolutely fascinating, Alyssa. Like this is the kind of stuff really? that that turns me on. Is is yeah, the research. Uh-huh. But so they they basically looked at a bunch of female bonobos in an enclosure, mm-hmm. and there were males in there too. And they found that after a period of time, the females just didn't want to. Have sex. They didn't want to mate with the other males. Huh. So initially they're like, okay, well, this just shows that female libido plummets over time. Mm-hmm. But wait for it. <laughs> they took the males out and introduced new ones. <gasps> and all of a okay. sudden, yeah, they, they were, were right nuts. Back it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I love it. I love it. And I mean, I guess if you look at the way that like female sexuality has been experienced and repressed over time that like we have not had an opportunity to really experience what's available to us and like what we're capable of because... We have had these such different constraints socially placed on on women versus men who have sort of had like moments in history where their behaviors um of infidelity were like a little bit more excused, where it's like, oh, it's a guy ga- guys will be guys or whatever. I understand how you're saying like the research turns you on because it, it's so interesting and almost like validating to hear that that the women were like, this is tired, this is boring, let's move
1: on. Well, yeah, and and on the topic of infidelity, and I want to give a caveat here, which is not to say, oh my gosh, you are destined to cheat and commit infidelity Mm -hmm. or have it committed upon you, but the infidelity gap is closing. So men's rates of cheating have remained pretty constant over the last several decades, Mm -hmm. but women, year by year, we are catching up to them year by year by year. Interesting. And does this mean that, okay, we're just all destined to do it? No, but what this signals is that we are all hardwired for novelty. And Mm -hmm. if we're not mindful about introducing novelty into our relationship, there is a high possibility that we may seek it outside of it.
0: Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And now, like when you think about being in these relationships for any long period of time and being in those same routines over and over again, the lack of novelty and people feeling like they're, especially now where you have a million options in the palm of your hand, um, and what you have that's, that's accessible to you is just so easy. Knowing the infidelity gap is closing makes, Makes some sense. And I also think I've seen, and this is like totally anecdotal, but I've seen like a big wave of change in the way that women talk about their relationships where the world is really different now where women, and again, this is like such a heteronormative conversation, but this is just what I've been experiencing spe- specifically on my socials. A lot of women talking about how we don't really need men in the traditional sense that we used to, like we don't need you to like, get a house or get a credit card, or if we want to have a family, both people are going to have to be working. It's not like the husband is going to work and you're going to stay home and and do all of the house chores and that's it and so now women sort of have the freedom to make choices based on like what are you offering me and what are you going to continue to offer me throughout the duration of our relationship because i don't like really need you the way that i did Mm -hmm. and that's an interesting moment it's it like makes me kind of laugh because i'm like oh gosh like what are what is everyone going to do we are all going to have to like men are gonna have to really kind of step up to the plate and can really consider like what do I have to offer? And that's an important, I think, think thing for everybody in a relationship to consider. Like, what am I offering this person? Um, but it is interesting that the tides are turning and it's it's becoming a, a conversation of like women not really feeling like they they have to um have as many concessions in their relationships anymore. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because less and less we are depend less dependent on somebody else to be the the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. Perhaps um, we're seeing more and more that that the women are, <laughs> in fact, the breadwinners in the relationship. Right. So it puts us in a really beautiful place, I think, mm-hmm. of examining. You know, what is it that um, that this person brings to my life? I, I see that. There are more women now on their own quest to feel whole on their Mm -hmm. own. Say, like, you know, I'm not scared of being alone. So, and I I don't need to find a partner. I will have a roof over my head without one. Right. So, really, how can this person improve my life? That's already pretty good. And Mm -hmm. and so that's, you know, I don't I, I hate to be trite here, which is you gotta work on yourself first, but But really, you have to fill your own cup um, and not expect anyone to come in and fill that for you. And once you've done that, you can take a real hard look and be choosy about who you say yes to. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I I just just saw a meme this morning that I'm probably going to botch right now. (laughs) Something like going on a date is basically interviewing someone for the full-time position of taking up all your time.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: It's so true.
0: (laughs) It's so true. And as I get older, like first dates especially have changed drastically. Say more. (laughs) Oh, because so when I was in my early twenties, I would go on dates and I, I, I was talking about this on like, a, I think it was on a previous podcast episode too, where I would just say and agree with just crazy things just to like further the date along. You're like looking for validation and you're trying to just do what you can to like push this relationship. So like, for instance, if someone was like, oh, do you listen to so-and-so band? I'd be like, yeah, they're my favorite band and I love them. And I listen to everything. Meanwhile, I've heard one song And now I have to go home and study their entire discography and then we can have a conversation about it. Meanwhile, this person just asked me if I've ever heard of them. And now I will come to a first date and be like, if you're late, if you are going to be like, rude to wait staff, if you're going to be what all of these like sort of baseline things. And I'm like, I'm done here. I don't need this. And I'll leave versus the amount of patience that I had and the amount of like myself that I was willing to just sort of compromise to be able to further these relationships. And it was so silly. It's just I'm so like, every year I've gotten older dating has gotten like, easier because I don't feel like I have to compromise as much of like myself in those conversations.
1: Well, and you know, it's mentally exhausting for us to feel like we have to wear these different hats and contort mm-hmm. ourselves and mm-hmm. and put on a mask so that we reflect the person that we're with. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting and it's not good for us. Yeah. You know, there there's a dissonance there where our brain is like, "Well, okay, but who who are you then really?" Right. And uh, you know, I always tell folks because I'll, I'll work with women um, in my coaching practice. who are like, "Wait, you you want me to put that on my dating profile? Isn't that going to scare people off?" It's like the, it's it'll scare, scare the wrong ones. <laughs> yes, yes, it's not going to scare off the right people, right? Let me tell you that. And and I am a huge fan of just going deep and asking the hard questions on the first date. Um, and and it's it's benefited me. Because of that, because they're like, oh shit, she don't mess around. <laughs>
0: exactly, and you're you're like you're sort of communicating the seriousness of like what you're looking for when you put it all on the table right away. Yeah, I think. yeah. So let's say you've started your your relationship with honesty, you've, you've, you've had, you know, pretty solid sex life up until now. And now you're like, you're six months in and you're kind of like, I could take or leave the sex, I really don't care. But Mm. your partner is like, I want to be having sex, like at least once a week or three times a week or every day. What, what are your suggestions for kind of like, either do you suggest that people compromise and like find a way to meet in the middle? Or do you sort of like, say, you got to have a conversation or it's like, it's just not going to happen like that right now for me. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, before giving my thoughts, I would ask the question about what was sex like in the beginning of the relationship? Because sometimes when I ask that question, it turns out that the sex was actually never really that great Mm -hmm. and you kind of overlooked it. Yeah. It's funny because sex isn't that important. I'm going to throw that in air quotes. Sex isn't that big of a deal unless one person cheats on the other and then it's the biggest deal in the right. whole world. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so I, I say like, don't ever underestimate the importance of sexual compatibility. Okay. Mm-hmm. But so say the, Say the answer to the question is no, like we were having balls to the wall sex. Everything was so hot. And then I don't know what happened. I'm just not there anymore. Well what has changed? Mm-hmm. Is it something that's changed within the relationship? Is it a new stressor that's in your life? Is it something that um, has changed outside of the relationship? Do you have a sick family member? I mean, there's so many things that push down on our breaks
0: mm-hmm. as
1: women, to quote Emily Nagoski here, that push yeah. down right on our, on our desire for sex. So doing an inventory in terms of okay, what else could be going on here? How can I minimize that? But also, how can I gently push down on my accelerators? Mm
0: -hmm. So,
1: But but really understanding that for women, most of us don't have spontaneous desire. We -hmm. have what's known as responsive desire. And the way I like to explain this to people, and I use a lot of food analogies because people <laughs> understand food and it's delicious, yes. <laughs> like sex, right? So uh, I don't have a huge sweet tooth. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people who just like craves sweets all the time.
0: Me neither. I'd rather have a bag of chips than a cookie any day.
1: Cheese is my weakness. Oh.
0: Cheese, <laughs> understood, understood.
1: <laughs> I have a cheese tooth, but so okay. I don't. I don't have a sweet tooth. But if there are like some cookies, bacon in the oven, if uh, some annoying ad on Hulu pops up with something sweet in it, that may get me in the mood for wanting something sweet. That's a great analogy, right? Mm-hmm. So that is responsive desire. That something needs to get me in the mood. So I tell women who are like, "Why am I not in the mood?" to ask that question a little bit differently what could get me in the mood Mm -hmm. and what gets women in the mood varies woman to woman Mm -hmm. so figuring out is it um that you need a little bit of buildup, you know watching some porn listening to some audio erotica start by making sure that your own personal sexual pleasure practice Mm -hmm. is part of your overall wellness routine Um, Because orgasms are really good for us, whether you're having them alone or with a partner. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't need to be some hour-long, you're lighting incense and you're busting out (laughs) your yoni egg, I mean like… Right. (laughs) Right? We don't need to do that. Sometimes in the morning, if you have an
0: extra five, 10 minutes, even that. Yeah. That's enough. Yeah. It'll change your whole day. It really will
1: seriously i mean it helps with sleep it helps with pain it it helps with stress levels Mm -hmm. it's like nature's free multivitamin that feels really fucking good so i I tell ladies take your vitamins but that's a great place to start which is to begin introducing pleasure into your life in a way where you're in control and you have the agency there because Mm -hmm. Also, we don't want to feel like we're being tricked or pressured into doing something. Right. Right. Totally. Like don't shove the cookie down my throat. Maybe (laughs) take it. Yeah. That's
0: not a way to like enjoy literally anything. And again, it all goes back to remembering that like sex is meant to be pleasurable. Like eating cookies is meant to be pleasurable and if you're going to shove it down your throat, no one's having fun and we're choking and it's not no to all of that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, having sexual conversations doesn't come as second nature to most people, I think you and I. Yeah. It's probably yeah. easy to a fault. Yes. <laughs> to a fault, yes. To a fault. So, so a few <laughs> tips that I recommend to to folks. Like you don't have to reinvent the wheel here. There are two apps that I um that I love. One is called Spicer, S P I C E R and the way it works is you each download it and then every day it sends you both a prompt like would you ever do this and then you give it a thumbs up a thumbs down or like a thumbs in the middle which means maybe and then it'll send you a little alert when you have a match Mm -hmm. and then within the app you can start Kind of like this mini text thread under each match that you have you can also create like challenges and you can have it randomize and just like pick one for you to do that day i'm obsessed with this this is such a genius idea yeah so so take the guesswork out and granted i i will tell you this my partner and i we've been doing it daily for a few years now Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once you get towards <laughs> the end, I mean I don't know where the end is, but we've yeah. seen some funny stuff on there. And sometimes it's just so outrageous. Yeah. That it it spawns a conversation between us about how outrageous right. the question is. Right, right. Which is good because we're still talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's an easy way to to start including this into the things that you talk about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I love having relationship check ins, whether those be once a month, once a quarter, once a week, whatever cadence feels right to you. But have sex be one of the things on that check in list. Like, hey, mm-hmm. all right, how would you rank our sex life this past month on a scale mm-hmm. of one to 10? Yeah. Say the person says seven. Okay. What would bring it to a 10?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, right? I like the idea of like, it it sounds sort of I'm sure for people who are listening, it sounds sort of strange to like take something that's intimate and turn it into like a scale or like part of your like your check ins, but having those conversations sort of like takes away the the power from it being shameful and from it being like something that you need a conversation you need to be scared of a conversation that you you can't just regularly have like you have every other negotiation and and conversation that you have in your relationship and like the the regular check-ins is like some of the best advice that i'd ever gotten from a a therapist like years and years and years ago was to have a regular she called them tune-ups because it Mm -hmm. sounds way less scary than being like we need to have a talk Right. anytime we hear that it's immediate ibs pre-diarrhea feelings mm-hmm. your guard goes don't... up oh my god and the worst is we need to have a talk we'll talk later today no don't never do that to me if you say we're having a talk we're having a talk right now because there's mm-hmm. nothing else I can think of <laughs> until we do. And so having these like regularly scheduled like tune-ups or check-ins, like call it something else. And now you have this extra tool of like let's pull in like the sex combo. Let's talk yeah. about maybe like things we rated on the Spicer app or like if you are a couple that where you both separately or together watch porn, maybe that's a conversation that you talk about. Like this is something that I saw and I think we should try it. Yeah. I think that's a really great way to to like loop it all in so it doesn't feel so daunting and it doesn't feel so scary to have those conversations
1: and you know i will say that the gottmans who for listeners who are not familiar with them are Mm -hmm. are basically the godfathers of the science behind healthy relationships Mm -hmm. they have managed to quantify and scientifically study it and what they found is that couples who can talk comfortably about sex outside of the bedroom Just right off the bat, 50% of them report high relationship satisfaction, Mm -hmm. lowest difficulties in sexual functioning. Couples who don't, it drops to under 10%. That's such a crazy difference. So if there's any incentive I can say that's going to immediately boost, I mean, the chances of it boosting your overall relationship satisfaction, it's talking about it outside of the bedroom. Mm -hmm. Whether that be through an app and let the app kind of do... The dirty work for you, um, <laughs> whether it be through creating a separate channel that you use, and that can look like, all right, we only talk about sex in our relationship on WhatsApp and not mm-hmm. through text. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a dedicated email address for it because you know it, it can be, especially if you've you've got kids or you live together, you're in the middle of talking about. You know, buying groceries or diaper explosion—it's never really the right time to be like, "Oh, and hey, by the way, uh, here's this phone that I want."
0: Exactly. But I work in the middle a- of a diaper change, like just sliding right. them a nipple clamp and hoping for the best. Like, right. there's no, yeah. I like the idea of separating the conversations. Yeah,
1: have a separate channel. I mean, I had a client. She's she's like, I can't text dirty things with my husband. We both have iPhones, and it shows up on my iPad that my kids use. Oh, so they started using WhatsApp for that reason. Great. And, um, you know, one of the first things I have my clients do is make a list of 27 things that they want mm-hmm. to do, be accomplished, try in their intimate lives. And they, it doesn't have to be attainable tomorrow, but it's kind of like this huge bucket list. Mm-hmm. And if they're partnered and they feel comfortable doing so, have their partner do the same. Mm -hmm. and take a look and and you may find some surprises and it can be a humbling experience to know that wow this person still carries some mysteries even though i feel like i know them inside and out because Mm -hmm. you know as esther perel says relationships need space. Fire needs oxygen to burn. Yes. And that's typically when desire plummets, where you you two become like roommates, where you know each other so well. Mm-hmm. You need to insert some mystery, some otherness there. Mm-hmm. And just having a glimpse into what excites your partner that perhaps you never knew about them is a way to make the relationship feel fresh again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what would you suggest for people who are going to build that list and like don't know where to start? They're like, I don't even know what I want. I would imagine like maybe exploring some different porn would be a good first step.
1: Yeah, I I think porn is an incredibly valuable educational tool. Mm-hmm. Like any tool, if used incorrectly, not the best. And also right. buy the right tool, like Yes. watch ethically produced porn watch watch women produce porn mm-hmm. yeah get ideas like what turns you on what doesn't turn you on mm-hmm. listen to some audio erotica audio
0: erotica everyone is sleeping on it everyone is sleeping on it it is so great and the only way that i can like really describe how valuable it is is like if you're a reader and let's say you're like reading lord of the rings for the first time your imagination has created this incredible they've taken it's taken everything from the page and put it into like your own perspective in combination with those words and you've created a world in your mind imagine what you could do with auto erotica. imagine the things that you would be able to like Access and open up in your mind because it's not being completely filled in for you. I, I'm such a fan. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And look, schedule sex. Mm-hmm. People say that's so unsexy, Rena. I'm sorry. I'm in a relationship. We do not have children. We don't even live together. We still schedule sex. I think mm-hmm. it's hot because it builds anticipation. Yeah. Especially if you can start talking about, like, ooh, so what do you want me to wear for you tonight? Or like send some options like this or this, or send some porn like, hey, why don't we each send each other something that excites us for whatever Mm -hmm. reason and just text that, email it to each other. Be mindful about building that anticipation because yes, spontaneous sex, that's one kind of sex, but there's something different than having your favorite meal delivered at the door and then just hearing your doorbell ring and being like, wait, where the hell did this come from? Yeah. Versus (laughs) like, ooh, I'm going to go on Yelp, I'm going to look at the menu, I'm going to figure out what I want and and getting excited about it.
0: Yes. The food analogies are really, they are coming through. They're perfect. Thank
1: you. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell where where my priorities lie, food and sex. Food and sex. (laughs) What else do we need? having cocktails too, but
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, yeah, that's a great. That's a great point. And I think if you're scheduling it too, then it gives you a little bit of time to, like you said, put that effort in and to like m- finding ways to make it fun for for you. Like maybe you're gonna buy a new outfit, or maybe you're gonna buy a new lipstick, or you're gonna like do your hair differently, or buy a new toy or lube or whatever. That little bit of prep time to build the anticipation, but also Create some fun, some fun stuff in between is really, I love that idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately though, take some time just on your own. We mentioned the 7-Eleven ham sandwich, right?
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ask yourself, is the sex on offer, the sex that you have on offer, is that the kind of sex that you're actually craving? Yeah. And really close your eyes and envision like, what is the hottest sex that you would imagine having?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Is that the same thing that's on offer. If it's right. not, understand that it's very, very clear and obvious why you're not craving the sex that's on offer. You're mm-hmm. not going to crave this 7 Eleven ham sandwich. So figure out, you know, how do I make this more delicious, mm-hmm. more engaging, and ultimately look not everyone who are great romantic partners not everyone are great sexual partners too Mm -hmm. i think that there are fundamental sexual incompatibilities that occasionally we overlook for far too long and um and it can harbor a lot of resentment and so i say this not to say everyone needs to run out and break up with their partner but (laughs) but really um don't underestimate the importance of that because sex is what distinguishes friends from lovers sex is what distinguishes family members from from spouses right Mm -hmm. and and so take a real good hard look and ask whether staying in this relationship is going to allow you to experience the full range of your own sexual expression
0: yeah yeah that is a great point that's a great point i love the i've never really thought about that that sex is the thing that differentiates those relationships from being in in like a romantic relationship in that way and it's so true and we sort of like devalue it and have it be sort of like almost like a a consequence of being in a romantic relationship instead of being like a milestone and like centerpiece of it yeah.
1: It's one of the perks.
0: <laughs> it, it is. It, yes, absolutely. It's a perk. That's awesome. I love that.
1: And so let me ask you, Alyssa, because you say you get a lot of messages from folks mm-hmm. about desire discrepancy. Mm-hmm. Where do you think that's coming from? Or do you see any trends or themes in that?
0: I think a lot of it is that the their entire situation has changed. So mm. for instance, people who've had children and they're like, I don't want to have sex with my partner. I'm like, you just birthed a human being. Of course you don't. Like of course you don't. Things have changed drastically. And so um I I feel like a lot of those conversations are also just saying like it, your desire is going to change. It's going to fluctuate based on the stress that you have in the in your life, the time that you have which contributes to stress there's so much that can, like you said, like hit those breaks and really like take you out of wanting to feel sexy or feel plugged into your, like the intimate side of yourself. So a lot of it is like, just like the forgiveness Mm -hmm. and, Sometimes I think it's even helpful to just take sex off the table for a little while and maybe rebuild some of the intimacy that you have with your partner that has nothing to do with sex and going on maybe like a really romantic date or if you have kids seeing if you can get a sitter or a friend or family member to sit for your children and go on a dinner date where you can really like sink into those moments that are intimate without having the sex be a part of it, make out without having sex be an end goal. Those things, I think sometimes people just like stress so much about wanting to have the sex that like you've taken the fun out of it. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's, if you just like take, take those um, moments and just simplify them, just like take a breather take a step back and focus on other types of intimacy first. And then when you feel like, I feel like if a lot of the time, if people focus on the other types of intimacy first, you'll sink into wanting to explore the other sexual parts of intimacy way easier than if you're kind of like forcing yourself, like again, like forcing the cookie down
1: your throat. Right. And you know, if we're talking about postpartum sex, Mm -hmm. yeah, (laughs) Dan Savage says, you know, Baby showers. Everyone should be giving the the penis o- have her the the husband yeah a yeah. flashlight as a <laughs> gift at the baby shower. <laughs>
0: yeah, I agree. Like,
1: you guys out there who are married, who are you know partnered with women, if she mm-hmm. just had a baby, do not come anywhere near her. Like leave. The poor woman alone type of thing. It's like, if you were in the room while she was
0: delivering the child, you cannot possibly imagine that everything that she just endured, she's going to, after all of that alone, like the delivery alone, that she's going to want to like, have you all up in there anytime soon. And on top of that, you're not responsible for this human being that like you birthed. We haven't even looked at like the crazy roller coaster of hormones that you experience postpartum, there's so much about you and your life and your body and your mind that change in that period of time that like it's it's almost sort of like silly to expect the sex to be the same or the way that you initiate sex to be the same because your whole life is different now.
1: Yeah. And and in terms of I love what you said about take sex off the table for a period of time. Mm-hmm. There's a practice that I recommend often to couples called Sensate Focus. Um, It was developed by Masters and Johnson back in the 60s, and it's still widely used today as a therapeutic Mm. practice, which is saying a lot because a lot of things um, have become antiquated in in that long of a time, but um, it's great because it's kind of like this hard reset that couples can use to reestablish physical intimacy and i won't go through every step by step but just google sensate focus Mm -hmm. essentially is you do this practice once a week and you don't have to take sex off the table in the meantime Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: you do it once a week and it starts off with okay we're both naked on the bed but we're only allowed to touch each other's g-rated kind of zones right right and if i'm the one laying down being touched, so we take turns. I'm the one being mm-hmm. touched. My only job is to give direction to my partner, like harder mm-hmm. there. No, I don't like that. And and so you're creating good feedback because no one likes to be touched exactly the same. Some people like you mm-hmm. know strong firm. Some people like feathery touch, etc. So you do that each for about twenty minutes essentially, and then next week you add in a little bit more as far as mm-hmm. where you're allowed to touch, mm-hmm. and eventually by the time you get to week four, um, penetrations allowed, orgasms allowed, but you are reestablishing that connection. It's something that I, I recommend to people postpartum, they're like, mm-hmm. okay, how do we now get back into this thing? We're both ready right. to do it, but how? Yeah. Or um, just couples who have drifted from one another mm-hmm. or had any sort of major life event that's been disruptive. This is a beautiful way. To reconnect it's also fun if you've just started dating someone and, and you're you're wanting to yeah. explore and get curious before having um intercourse so yeah. it, it it's great for so many things if you're a survivor. Yeah. survivor, i mean really it does pretty much every good connecting intimate thing you could possibly imagine between two people yeah and i when i
0: started with all of my like sort of sex coaching journey um i was an assistant to a somatic practitioner and so Mm -hmm. a lot of what i like i'm listening to this and i feel like i've definitely read about this before forever ago and it sort of has escaped my memory but she talks so much about like the physical touch and providing good feedback helps to rewire those like sort of neurological connections where your brain is like receiving this touch and and understanding that this is a good and safe thing versus if you've experienced a traumatic event, which like for some people is childbirth, yes. you, are, you could be so disconnected between like this type of a feeling <laughs> and how your brain and like your, how your mind and really like your heart and soul are re- receiving it and doing that kind of a practice, I would imagine would help to like sort of ease that and reset the
1: way that you receive all of those feelings absolutely i mean i even have the clients i work with individually do a a solo sensate focus where i Mm -hmm. guide them through exploratory uh, g-rated self-touch and for clients i've had who are especially early childhood trauma survivors for many of them they have a part of their body that is a source of of trigger for them mm-hmm. whether that be their legs stomach i mean different areas where that's kind of where they associate the abuse starting right that isn't necessarily the genitals but oh he he used to ejaculate on my stomach my abuser used to stroke my legs all the time mm-hmm. so i will have them create their own practice where they're using self touch just gentle mm-hmm. self touch to as you said create those new neural pathways that say, hey, this is not only safe, you're safe Mm -hmm. in your body, but this is allowed to feel good too. Yeah. That isn't a switch we can flip overnight, but it's a practice, but the practice doesn't have to take years either. It Mm -hmm. can be done very quickly because your brain's always trying to keep you safe. Yes. And it only knows how to do that based on the evidence you're providing it. So you gotta give it new evidence. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. you can't think your way into that. You actually have to do things. Yeah. And touch is a beautiful way of doing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love all of that. And I like a lot of like what's so like wonderful about working with a sex coach. And you're so knowledgeable. Like I'm I'm loving all of the stats that you can recall because my brain does not work that way. <laughs> and I I love I love hearing it. It's I it's I understand the turn on with the stats.
1: Yeah, stats are my kink.
0: <laughs> oh my God. They really, I understand. I if, if there's any like non-sexual kink I have, it's stats and Excel sheets. I love it.
1: <laughs> Ooh, you've got me in Excel sheets, but I, I think I have a little bit of trauma from a past relationship where our whole life lived on an Excel sheet and now I can't handle them.
0: Oh my God. <laughs>
1: Yes, I mean don't don't even get me started, Alyssa. But
0: that's wild. That's wild. Okay, (laughs) but one of the things that I think is so cool about like sex coaching and sex therapy and sex education is you really start to open up these conversations where it's like you're worth this. You're worth this work. You're worth putting in this practice. This is worth it for you. It'll better so much about like every aspect of your self confidence, your confidence in your relationship, and. The things that you're doing are not not super complex. They're challenging because they're things we're maybe not used to, um, but they're not complex, and they better so much of your life. And you're just you're like worth
1: doing it. You're worth pursuing that. Yes, absolutely. And you know, I remind people that sex is one of life's greatest joys. That's absolutely free. Yes, it's, it's a way that we express ourselves, like singing or dancing it's one of the few ways we we get to play as adults it's a way we connect with one another and mm-hmm. if we're talking about uh, cisgender women or people with vulvas literally there's a part of our body the clitoris yes. whose sole purpose is pleasure it doesn't have any purpose at all other than yes. other than pleasure we don't need it to make babies we don't need it to urinate i mean our bodies are literally designed for pleasure Mm-hmm. And that great sex, you deserve it. It's your birthright.
0: Exactly. I agree. I actually I saw a quote, and unfortunately it was by Mark Twain, who's like not the best. Um, <laughs> but uh he said something, it was like like sex is one of life's greatest pleasures, and we wrote it out of our own heaven that we created. Like Ooh. it's isn't that great? I Mark was Twain like, was
1: talking about sex? Yeah. News. Isn't to that me. crazy?
0: Yeah. Um, it was in the women's uh anatomy of arousal, I think. I think it's in that book. Okay. By it's a good one. And there's lots of very good quotes in there, and I think that's where I saw that. Uh, but it's so true. Like you said, it's one of life's greatest pleasures, and l- over time we've culturally sort of written it out of of being a priority, and it really is a priority, and it's also it's one of one of the most fun and pleasurable things that we get to experience in our short time on this earth. Exactly. Exactly.
1: It's the good stuff.
0: It's the good stuff. Do you have any piece of relationship or intimacy advice that feels like a big aha moment for you or one that maybe you even just revisit a bunch? Stop
1: playing the cool girl. And this really means show up as yourself. Don't be the person uh, like you used to be, Alyssa, who goes yes. and researches. And, and researches every, I love that band. Right? <laughs>
0: it's terrible.
1: Like, show up. Be honest about your your needs, your fantasies, your wants, your desires. Um, yeah, stop playing the cool girl. Is kind of my mantra. As somebody who played the girl, cool girl, for a really long time, and I yeah. never felt truly fulfilled in her life, but Mm -hmm. showing up vulnerably has changed everything for me.
0: Yeah. I love that. And Also, it's crazy that you're saying that you used to be the cool girl, but you're sitting here with like very cool girl pink hair,
1: and so (laughs) I feel like you are a cool girl. (laughs) I am a cool girl, but like cool girl is like the archetype, which is like, oh yeah, yeah, I I have no feelings. I like whatever you like. Like everything is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that.
0: Don't do yeah. that. You'll never get what you want if you're doing that.
1: Exactly.
0: I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. You've given us so many gems. I'm so excited for people to hear this. And I'm very, very grateful for your time. What do you have going on? Like, I'll, I'll We'll put your Instagram, of course, in the bio of this podcast. Um, but what's new? Oh my gosh, I saw you have a book that you just landed a title on are we allowed to talk about that
1: we can talk about it now gosh it's been um, (laughs) okay it's been like months months in the making because yeah uh, you know publisher has one thing in mind hang on because this literally just happened in the last 24 hours I want to (laughs) make sure I don't misquote this
0: yes (laughs) Um, the title
1: is the sex you want subtitle is a shameless journey to deep intimacy honest pleasure and a life you love
0: Yes! Oh, that's so exciting. When is this slated to come out?
1: February twenty twenty four. Okay, okay. So okay. it'll be a minute. That's awesome. And um, sometime I I think in the next month or so, uh, TEDx talk that I did on sexual shame should be mm-hmm. hitting the YouTube's. And so those are those are the two big things that are happening um soon. And yeah, in the meantime, I am still seeing private clients and uh you can find me on my website or on instagram
0: awesome and and as i said before Rena's instagram is great you have great reels the graphics are wonderful like i enjoy everything that you post so much so definitely give her a follow oh my god thank you i'm so glad to have had you on and i'm just very happy that people like you exist in this space so i really appreciate it
1: the feeling is mutual oh thank you
0: Hey guys, before we wrap up today's episode, let's go to the emails real quick and see what sex question you have for me. We had someone write in and ask about keeping intimacy alive in a long-term relationship. One of the things that we've talked about on the podcast and um, depending on which episode this question airs on, we spoke with Rina Martine and she and I had a really great conversation about desire discrepancy and how to maintain the intimacy in relationships for as long as you possibly can. One of the things that's really interesting is we are hardwired to want new. The human brain is not meant to have the same thing over and over and over and over again. And so it could be that you just need a little something new. It could be that the type of sex that you were having was not really the best to begin with. So you're not really leaving much to be desired. So I would first ask yourself, and this is exactly the advice that Rena talks about. First, ask yourself... um, how was that? How was that experience? How was that sex for you? Um, was it something that you would want to have again? Or was it kind of leaving something to be desired? And so now that that may be some of um, your time is a little bit more strained or maybe you have extra stress in your life, that's just not really enough to want you to come back to that sexual experience. That's entirely possible. So take a look at the type of sex that you were having. And maybe, You can look at that situation and say, you know what? It was all right, but it could have been better. Okay, great. Let's make a wish list. Let's make a bucket list of things that you would want to try. If you need inspiration, you can watch porn. You can download that Spicer app. um, You can try audio porn. And try to think of some ways that you both can offer up some way to, um, for lack of a less cliche term, spice it up. Um, It's also really important to look at what might have changed in your life from the beginning of your relationship to now or from the last time that you remember having more consistent sex to now, what has changed in that period of time. And looking at the context of your sexual relationship, maybe you moved to a new house and you've been unpacking and unpacking and reorganizing for months and months and months and the whole house is stressful, et cetera. Or maybe you just had a child um, and now your whole world is upside down. Maybe you got a job and it's super, super stressful. These are all really important and it changed the con- changes the context in which we engage in sexual activities. It doesn't allow your brain to really enjoy and expand the pleasure that you want to be having it really slams your foot on these breaks in your head that would hopefully lead you towards some sort of sexual desire so it's important to look at the context and an exercise that emily nagoski recommends is to think back to a time where you had absolutely kick-ass, wonderful, A-plus, superb exemplary sex. What was that scenario like? Where were you? How stressed were you? What was your job at the time? What were you wearing? What did you eat that day? What did it smell like (laughs) in the room you were in? And really go down the list of as many specific details that you can remember. When you look at the list of what made those those situations really special and you look at maybe what you're dealing with what's sort of on on the table right now there's i'm sure going to be dramatic differences and if you can recreate the context from a really exemplary experience then you'll likely learn some things about what you're missing from your current sex life And that's if you've had a really exemplary experience it's totally possible you'll look back at your experiences and be like that was like not even that fun and then you have the opportunity to explore new things but the biggest piece of advice that i have in that circumstance is just to remember that new helps think about what are some new things new toys new ways to build intimacy even outside of sex like maybe you have like a really romantic date night together and you make out but sex is off the table building that anticipation is really important also I have so many tips for this I don't know how to organize it into one thing there's so many options which is great that's the good news there's lots of things that you can do really look at look at your past experiences and reflect on them and Think about ways that you can integrate something new into your sexual experiences and know that this is completely normal. And sometimes there will be ebbs and flows in the ways um, in which you want to have sex and how often you want to have it. So know that you're normal no matter what. And sometimes if if you just don't want to, you just don't you simply don't have to. There's no rules. There's no rule book on how often you're supposed to have sex. So if you just don't want to, that's also okay but there's also plenty of ways that you can work on building intimacy and pleasure into your everyday life so that when those circumstances come up, you remember that this is fun. This is meant to be pleasurable. This is meant to be like one of the most delicious parts of your human experience. And you'll get back on track, I promise. Thank you as always for the great question. Keep them coming by emailing me at AlyssaExplainsItAllPod at (laughs) gmail.com.